Hello, and welcome to This Speech Life, a weekly audio course and podcast from SpeechTherapyPD.com, exploring all things related to school-based SLP practice. I'm your host, Caitlin Lopez, MSCCC SLP, a pediatric SLP with 10 years experience in the school setting. Each week, we will cover three need-to-know aspects of that episode topic, two resources related to the topic, and one actionable strategy for tomorrow. Welcome to today's episode. I am so excited to have Stephanie Michelle of Golden State Speech Pathology Services here to talk about all things mindfulness and collaboration with us today. Before we begin... I have just a few announcements. I'll go ahead and read our financial and non-financial disclosures before we begin. I'm Caitlin Lopez, your host of Pediatric SLP in Southern California. I receive compensation from speechtherapypd.com for this episode. I have no relevant non-financial relationships that exist. And Stephanie Michelle is the owner of Golden State Speech Pathology Services Incorporated, and she receives an honorarium from speechtherapypd.com. All right. I am so excited to introduce to all of you Stephanie Michelle. She's a speech language pathologist who founded and currently operates Golden State Speech Pathology Services Incorporated, a small family-run non-public agency for eight plus years. She earned her undergraduate degree and master's degree from Bloomsburg University in Pennsylvania and has presented at the Pennsylvania Speech and Hearing Association, PISHA. Stephanie Michelle has experience with working in hospitals, providing speech and swallowing assessments, and therapy in the acute care setting, and has also provided early intervention therapy to students in their home, as well as to charter schools and non-public school students. She currently supervises SLP graduate clinicians during their CF as well as SLPAs. Stephanie Michelle has supervised undergraduate clinicians abroad in Belize. She takes great pride in volunteering with local organizations, ministries, nonprofit organizations, and charities to help individuals in various neighborhoods throughout California and across the globe with medical mission trips. Stephanie Michelle is a certified mindfulness meditation instructor and has developed a course to support SLPs and SLPAs with integrating mindfulness into their professional roles. She's developed the Golden State of Mind PD Professional Development that offers CEUs, which became available January 2022. I am just so excited to jump into this conversation with you, Stephanie. Mindfulness is something that has been super beneficial in my life, and I'm sure you're going to share lots of experiences where it's done the same for you. So Stephanie, let's just jump right in. What are three things the SLPs need to know about mindfulness. Yes. Wow. Thank you, Caitlin. That was such a thorough introduction. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate the opportunity to be able to be here with you today and everybody listening at speechtherapypd.com. I think I'm just most excited because it fills my love tank for being able to just connect and collaborate with other SLPs and SLPs in our professional field. So I'm very excited to be here today and to share some wisdom and hear some wisdom from you also. I do want to point out before I get started, I've been listening to this Speech Life podcast, and this is such a gift, such a gift to our community. And some of the podcasts that I've been listening to lately, I, I want to point out, I've, and this ties into mindfulness, I've heard so many 
common threads throughout all the different talks, whether it was the talk on AAC, the talk on interpersonal collaboration, you had a talk on mitigating burnout. And what I noticed with the guests talking on your show, and I hope to share with you today also, and ways that you're sharing is I'm really hearing these common threads of some of the greatest gifts and treasures that we really have available to offer as clinicians to our clients, to our families, to the people we serve, and that's compassion, patience, and simplicity. And recently I was listening to the talk that you had Lindsay on from, I think, Help Me Grow Speech, and she was talking about play therapy and how you can do it with all ages. And she broke it down so beautifully and in the simplicity of any age, just connect to what they're interested in. And there's just such a simple point. And you had Dr. Pfeiffer on and she was talking about team collaboration and she was expressing how she's building these connections with professionals. I think you said some of the team members in your IEPs are some of your best friends and important people to you. And that takes patience and that takes time to nurture relationships to grow with others. And then I heard Marie, she was on the mitigating burnout. And I loved how she said, she brought the compassion point to say, hey, the CF I was was mentoring made a mistake in an IEP. And I said to them, congratulations, I made a mistake today too. And I love hearing that. I love hearing that we can have grace and we can have ease with ourselves, even in some of those growing moments. So your podcasts have been such a gift to everybody that's listening. I think they're just such a value to our community. So thank you so much for all of the wisdom and all the treasures that you guys are sharing too. Well, thank you. I mean, huge thank you to the guests. You guys are the ones who are really bringing the wisdom to us. So just thank you for being open and spending time with me. I'm the luckiest one. I get to spend one-on-one time with everyone and I hope everyone enjoys it as much as I do. Yes. Great. Perfect. So let's jump in. I mentioned that today I'd like to share mindfulness and little nuggets of patience and compassion and simplicity because I really feel that these are the greatest treasures and gifts that we have. And this is what we have to be able to present to others. And I want to tie it today specifically into team collaboration and how we can work with others utilizing mindfulness in our team collaboration, specifically when we are experiencing conflict. I think this is really important for new grads and CFs and just anybody as a human, because as you know, as speech clinicians, we're working so closely with other professionals. And these can be OTs and behaviorists, teachers, principals, admins, parents. I mean, the list, it goes on and on depending on the setting that you're working in. And with so many different types of people and so many different roles and responsibilities of each person, it's really no wonder that we hit conflict. We're going to have conflict at at some point. And it's not necessarily even a bad thing. But there's moments where we can get into conflict with others. And this started way back when we were little tiny tots, where, you know, we have our own needs and we have our own visions. And when they don't line up with the person we're communicating with, this is when conflict starts. And understanding that this conflict can be inevitable in our jobs and in our roles and that we're going to encounter it, the question really begs, how are we going to show up for it when it happens? Because no doubt it's going to happen, right? Are we going to show up in a way where we act out of fear? Are we going to show up in a way where maybe we say things that we later regret or we weren't coming from our authentic true selves? We were in a reactive state. Are we coming unhappy? You know, Do we talk about others behind their back? I mean, how are we going to really approach this. And this is where mindfulness is so important when we're looking at team collaboration, because some of us can pull back 
and we can lose touch with the present moment. This is what mindfulness is, right? It's this present moment, the ability to stay with what's going on in the moment, but to not only stay in the moment, but to stay in the moment with compassion, to stay in the moment with empathy, to stay in the moment with hope. So the three things that I feel that are the need to know today when we're talking about tying mindfulness into team collaboration, these three need to know things are going to help us with moving from our headspace. And this is our, our control center, our brain that wants to kind of take over everything to using mindfulness to bridge to our heart space. And this is our heart space so that we can show up as our full authentic selves. And the three ways, the three need to know ways that I'd like to kind of lay the framework for would be the first one is learning how to ground. So this is learning simple and effective ways to ground yourself. And this is before any conversation, before any email, before you hit that send button on that text. Grounding is going to give you an opportunity to leave all of other stuff that's going on for you, all of this life's other stuff, so you can be present and fully show up for each encounter or dialogue. The second need to know that we'll talk about is that there's a strategy that you can actually work through and implement to deal with your emotions if you're in an emotional place, if you're maybe feeling frustrated or angry, whatever emotions coming alive for you before you're about to have your conversation or your collaboration. And this strategy can work with identifying those emotions, naming them, connecting to them, accepting them, and maybe nurturing yourself a little bit, giving that self-compassion before you engage. And what this does is this recognizing these emotions will kind of give you that opportunity to say, hey, self, is this really the right time for me to respond? Is this really the right time for me to engage or to talk about that? Or should I wait so that I can be less reactive and more effective, right? Less reaction, be more effective in my communication. And then the third need to know, and again, this can be like a sequence, like a step one, two, and three that you can follow when navigating conflict. The third would be looking at how am I delivering my message? So I like to kind of talk about NVC, which is the acronym for nonviolent communication from Dr. Marshall Rosenberg. And this helps us move from what could potentially be a harmful conflict to a more compassionate conflict. And I can still put compassion with conflict because I can, I can still show up angry, but I can use words in a way that others will still want to hear me and want to engage with me because I'm going to connect to my feelings and needs. I'm going to connect to my observations from a neutral standpoint without adding extra evaluation. And then I'm going to ask for something that I want. And this gets rid of blame. This will get rid of criticism. This will get rid of judgment that might cause your communication partner to say, I don't want to hear this. I'm already on the defense. I don't want to talk to you right now. So looking at those three things, grounding, working with your emotions, and then learning a framework on how to communicate your message so that others will hear you are the three things that I'd really like to be able to share with our listeners today. All right. Let's just jump into them. What are some different ways that we can learn how to ground? And when would we find ourselves needing to ground? Grounding is something that we can use in that moment. If we're feeling some strong emotions coming on, this is a, a perfect opportunity to take that pause because what it does is it puts 
all of life's other stuff behind us so we can connect to the here and now. And I like to tie this into team collaboration so we can practice grounding before we jump into a dialogue or a collaboration with, say, maybe our principal who we're kind of having a disagreement on which cases are ready for dismissal or which cases are not. This is something that came up a lot for me at a particular school site. I remember several conversations with a particular principal. We didn't see eye to eye. We didn't agree when kids were ready to go or ready to stay. And we sat down and we had these conversations. And truth be told, they were difficult ones. It felt very much me against you, not we're on a team here, right? It was my opinions and my expertise versus your opinions and your knowledge. And these kinds of conversations can quickly become very heated, right? And they could become filled with opposing views and judgments of one another, whether it's spoken or just kind of, you know, thought in your head. We're kind of, we have our judging mind that comes out. And this is really, really uncomfortable when you just can't speak with one another in a way that's compassion, understanding, and you're othering, right? They're another. They're, they're not me rather than, you know, we are a we. So what I like is grounding exercises kind of get us out of our habitual way of thinking and being because we can get lost in the stories of our thinking mind. We can get wrapped up in worries. We can stumble down that rabbit hole of judgment and it takes us away from the present moment. So grounding brings us back. It brings us to right here, right now. So I want to back this up really quickly because I want to relate back to this story that I wanted to share with you. A big mistake of mine in the aspect of team collaboration. I, I want you to visualize this for a second. I was sitting in an IEP meeting. So that's the individual education plan that we have for the student. The school psychologist was there. The parents were there. Mom, you got the whole team. I think there was eight or nine people. It was an initial evaluation. Psychologist reads the primary disabling condition as autism to mom who's hearing it for the first time, right? Flat blanket statement. There was there was no room to process or even take in the information. No information was given to mom ahead of time. No space was given to mom after she heard it. And school psychologists just, you know, proceeded to go on to the next formal part of the IEP, like checking the boxes of the things that they needed to talk about. And it just got really uneasy. Mom had burst into tears. There was no space. The information kind of rolled out in a way like boop, boop, boop. The room went silent. No one said anything. It was super uncomfortable. And I know that, number one, just because we have a label, this does not change who a student is, right? We know that the student is still a human being that we love, that we care for, and that we can support. And number two is I felt that mom should have been given some notice to this prior to coming into the meeting and hearing it for the first time in a room full of strangers kind of staring at her, right? She obviously had not been prepared and she didn't even have the report in advance. So my emotions immediately took over. I was embarrassed for our team. I was uncomfortable because I just felt there was lack of compassion for parent and or not having given this processing space. I, I got angry because, you know, I had some personality conflict already with this school psychologist that I, I think is important to name and, and we'll see why. But there were a lot of things that were happening in this story and in my mind, right? And, and I'm thinking, okay, a parent in a meeting for a first time in hysterics, nobody's offering her tissues. There's no words of encouragement, no empathy, but everybody's staring. So I jumped in, I, I grabbed tissues, I glanced at the psychologist. I'm hoping that they're going to move on to strengths to focus on and to comfort the mom. No, no breath taken, just kept on going. And, you know, here we are with mom 
new into the IEP world. We've got her rawest emotions. We've got her vulnerabilities at the table. And we just didn't tend to them with care, in my opinion. You know, they weren't tended to. And the point of this story is, this is where my big blunder was. I came back to my desk afterwards, unable to shake off all these feelings I had. And in my mind, I had othered the psych. I was like, this is a cold-hearted psych. And what was she thinking? And she didn't send this information ahead of time. And I had all, I had this judging mind that even when I say it out loud right now, it's like, oh, it doesn't sound good, right? And these were the thought processes that were going through my mind. And I had built this wall between her and I. And I had already been building it because I was letting past stories from the past come back in and in my moment after the IEP as well. That was kind of feeding my fire, I think we say, when we allow these other things to come in and ignite us further. And what I did was I I popped an email out immediately to her and told her what I thought, told her what I was thinking, told her how I thought the situation should have been handled and what were we doing and, oh, ouch, 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 epic fail. This is many years ago, but this was such a learning and growing moment for me and such a huge mistake because... I don't know about you, Caitlin, but can you can you relate to ever sending out an email or a text or had a conversation or something come out of your mouth that just came out so quickly and was triggered by your emotions where later you kind of regret what you said or what you did? And you're like, why did I hit send? And you go back and read it and you get real cringy. <laughs> yeah. Or even I'm thinking of a particular IEP with a parent who I kind of felt like the entire team was lying to this parent about their students' abilities. And I was maybe a little bit more harsh and relaying. It was one of my first IEPs as a CF. And I just remember thinking, they're being unfair to this family by, by sugarcoating things. And I didn't have the relationship with this family that everybody else did. And the family shut down with me. You know, it's totally understandable. And that's definitely like a huge cringy moment for me. You know, during my CF, one of my first five IEPs, I just remember thinking, you know, I I was sitting there getting really upset. Like, they're just acting like the student is okay or that they're sugarcoating some of the things that the student is doing and this isn't okay. And there were some issues, you know, the AAC would come back to class and it would have mom's Facebook open or because it was an iPad with Proloquo and it would have, you know, mom's Facebook open and you could tell that the AAC hadn't even been opened or used, you know. So it was some things that I was getting really frustrated about that really, if I had grounded and taken a moment, I probably could have inspired the family to try to use the AC instead of shaming them into like, why is Facebook coming back? You know? <laughs> right. But I think what you're sharing is so natural that probably so many listeners are relating to. And that's just, we have a judging mind and our mind can come up where we can make judgments and evaluations. Our, our mind can come up and kind of go into blaming mode. So we put a blame on someone else and all of that's so very normal. And that's what I was doing, judging and blaming. I didn't take the time to do the check-in with the school psychologist to see maybe how she was feeling or what she was thinking after the meeting. And 
I didn't bring my curiosity to her perspective. I was kind of living in my own bubble and in my own story about what I thought about my situation. Now, don't get me wrong. I thought my heart was in the right place. I want to advocate for mom. I want to advocate for all families who will be working with this team to have that information ahead of time. And I loved what Dr. Pfeiffer said in your your podcast about the interpersonal collaboration. And she said, get to know the families before the IEP meeting. Let them be a part of all of the process. Be engaged with them constantly, not just at the annuals and the tries. So, you know, my heart's in the right place for wanting to advocate, but we all know that as much as we can be in the right place with our heart, the words we use or our presentation doesn't align with that. And the impact is something completely different, right? I was acting from my fight, flight, freeze. So my fight mode, I guess, that reptilian brain that kicks in. And it wasn't wise. It wasn't compassionate. It wasn't the way to do it. And, you know, there's a whole science behind that reptilian brain and how we sort of get emotionally hijacked. And when we get emotionally hijacked, we go into a state of reactivity. And that's what happened. And these grounding exercises now give us an opportunity to get out of that emotional hijack. So there's a quote from Viktor Frankl. I swear it's changed my life. I learned it a few years ago. I absolutely love it. He says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. And oh, I just love that because it's that space. It's that space between where we have a choice. We have the choice to stop and pause and ground because when we're reactive, we're not necessarily choosing our response. So let's talk about sharing this first need to know item, which is really looking at grounding practices to support you in that space between stimulus and response. That's when you can use it. So you can show up in a powerful way that's wise and compassionate. And grounding exercises, as I say, bring you to the present moment. They can be formal. They can be informal. I want to give the listeners a couple informal practices today. Maybe they can jot it down on a piece of paper or go back and listen to this again and and write it down or give them a try. But these can be anything from mental distractions or reorientation techniques or sensory-based or movement-based techniques or even imagery. There's a lot of science-backed benefits that come from grounding practices that you use over and over. They can help with releasing unwanted energy. It can help to sustain attention. It can help improve sleep and reduce stress. So check these out. Take the ones that work for you. If they don't work for you, leave it. That's fine. One of the ones that is a popular one I use is I'll push myself away from my desk. So we're all sitting at our desk all day long, right? Sitting at the table with therapy or sitting at our desk doing emails or writing reports. I use a movement-based technique. And this is where I will just take a stop. I push my chair away. I take three deep belly breaths. And that's it. I thought maybe, Caitlin, what we could do is a little experiential practice and just do it right now together. If you'd like with our listeners, we could just take three big, deep breaths in and out. All right. All right. Let's do it.
How does that feel for you, Caitlin? Awesome. I feel like my shoulders have like just dropped another half inch or so. Very good. Excellent. Did you know that SpeechTherapyPD.com has weekly live and interactive webinars? We are the fastest growing CE provider. Subscribe today to get access to over 750 different courses in audio or video format. So very simple to do, right? It's an easy tool. You have everything with you that you need. The next one that I I like is, if you know me, I'm always sipping on a a chai latte or cold iced tea. I saved my cold iced tea for after our podcast, so I wasn't talking too fast for you. But if you have your drink at your desk, you can use a sensory-based or an imagery technique. So this is where you can take a sip of your drink. Simple as that. Take a sip, feel the temperature. If you want to be, you know, speech nerdy like me, sometimes what I do is I actually picture the phases of the swallow. So I, you know, I feel the liquid on my lips. I feel it go onto my tongue, to the back of my tongue. Quick, quick concentration, right? All right. All of a sudden, I feel it going down my throat. My pharynx is pushing it down, right? I'm super focused on that swallowing process. I feel my, my voice box going up. So you can just take a second to sip a drink with temperatures or even just visualizing that liquid going down your throat. And that's a moment of mindfulness. That's a moment to ground yourself. And It might sound silly, but here's what it does. It takes us out of our thoughts, out of our planning mode or our worry mode or our judgment mode or whatever we may have been doing that may not be productive or may not be serving us. And it brings me into the moment as the moment's happening. All right. So if any of our listeners have a drink near them, go ahead and take a sip right now and and just feel the temperature of that drink. That's a moment of mindfulness focusing on that sensory experience. Another takeaway is you could use a real orientation technique. So I do this with my kiddos a lot in right before therapy where I stop and I listen to my surroundings for a moment. So I'm just stopping to notice what I'm hearing. We might say, oh, do you hear that? Through the wall. There might be students in another classroom on the other side of the wall. Or we might hear the school bell ringing or we hear announcements coming across the loudspeaker. So all I'm doing is I'm just pausing. I'm taking a moment. What do I hear? get out that sentence strip with the kiddo and they can say, I hear, and they can share with you. And that's bringing you into the immediate present. We can do that right now. We can take that moment and pause, even as I'm talking to you, Caitlin, and I just listen. And I hear the traffic out my window. I hear, I hear my computer rustling. So we can just take that moment to come right to the present. Another one you can take away is if you're sitting in a meeting, maybe you're daydreaming? Maybe not. Maybe you're rehearsing in your head what you're going to say when it's your turn to speak. You can take a moment and pick an object in the room and you can look at it from across the room and you can visually trace it with your eyes. So this would be an example of a mental distraction. Again, it might sound silly, but no one knows you're doing it. And this can help you get unstuck. It gets you out of those illusions and stories of your mind. So maybe you've got a clinician that's walking into a litigious meeting and maybe they're really nervous to present. Maybe their heart's racing or maybe their palms are sweating or maybe they've got some limiting beliefs that, you know, what if I'm not going to do this well and their worry mind or judgment mind kicks in? Look across the room or an object and just visually trace it and just continue to slowly look at it and trace it just to get out of that thinking mind just for that moment. 
And one more informal practice you can try is, and I have this right now, you can slip off your shoes <laughs> if you feel comfortable. Maybe you just want to do it when you're at your desk or by yourself and not in an IEP meeting or, or with kiddos, but you can slip off your shoes and just allow your feet to make contact with the floor or with a footrest or whatever your feet may be making contact with. And you can notice and place your attention on the contact that your feet is making to that ground. You might notice the temperature. Like right now, I I feel like my toes are a little cool right now because I don't have socks or shoes on. I can feel the carpet under my toes. So I'm sensing that. I feel a little bit of vibration in in my left foot. You can feel the energy, right? So that's just a moment that you can take and you can do it on your own. And it's an informal grounding practice that's available to you. Is there one that you love, Caitlin, that you personally use a lot in your life? I do use drinking water a lot. I mean, I drink water a lot anyway, but I usually always have water with me. So I do that one a lot. I also like to do the five, four, three, two, one. So five things that I can see that are the color blue. I usually choose blue because I usually use this when I'm angry and the blue is a cooling, calming color. And then four is four things I hear, three things I feel, two things that I can smell. And if I can't smell anything, I just think of my two favorite smells and then one thing I taste. And sometimes it's usually just my water (laughs) or, you know, stale coffee. (laughs) Like you said, you go through this and nobody knows you're doing it. That's right. And I feel that they are pretty simple enough. I mean, it will vary from person to person that you can begin to integrate them and try them with your clients before you're starting your sessions. So give them an opportunity to kind of refocus their attention, to settle with you, to come into the same space and to prepare themselves for the beginning of therapy with you for that joint attention and focus. So those are informal practices. I love the 54321. And you can even put that on a little chart on your wall for the kiddos and, and give them a visual with that. And that can be something that they can practice repetitively over and over and leave your sessions with each time that they can remember to then begin to do on their own too. So those are informal. The formal is more of a grounded, guided meditation, right? So this could look like you could make it as little as two to three minutes, five minutes. It's just a short meditation that you're using to arrive into the present moment or to begin to assist your clients with relaxing, although it's not, you know, you're not trying to achieve relaxation, but just bringing the energy in, sustaining the attention. And I do want to point out to those listening that mindfulness or meditation, let's say meditation, it's not tied to any particular type of religion. So no matter what your religious background may or may not be, it's just a useful tool for all people from all walks of life. And I highly recommend there's a free app out there. It's called Insight Timer. It's talked about a lot. It's great. And again, it's free. I use it a lot. You can go on there and get some formal grounding guided meditations to follow along with. I also love Jack Cornfield. His name is spelled, but with a K in Cornfield. He has a lot of grounding meditations on YouTube that I find that are just short. Again, you can do them under five minutes. So if you look him up on YouTube, you can find some there. I do tell people I read a book that I think it was Dr. Christian Wolf who brought this up and she says, she compared mindfulness to love and she said, 
Sometimes it's really hard to define or to give the exact definition. It's just something you have to feel. And when you feel it, you know it. And I love that example because mindfulness is something you need to experience. It's something that you need to embrace and be a part of. And I think the experiential practice is so important. So I wasn't sure, Caitlin, if this is something you'd be interested in, but I could guide us through an experiential three-minute practice of a little grounding meditation for your listeners if you'd be interested. Yeah, why not? Okay, so let's experience this together because sometimes people pull away from or aren't interested in or have their own ideas of what meditation is or what it looks like, and they might not be as open to trying it, but maybe they get a little taste of it or a little experience with it, and they think, wow, I actually really enjoyed that. I want to try that again. So let's do it. Let's do a little two to three minute exercise that we can do together to kind of come into this space here and now. And if you're listening, you can choose to lie down. You can choose to sit in a chair. You can stand against a wall, whatever feels comfortable for you. I just wouldn't recommend participating if you might be listening to this podcast while you're driving per se. (laughs) might not be the best opportunity for you at that time. But I'm going to use a bell and you can you can do this as well if you're going to try this on your own and the bell just kind of signifies the beginning and the end period of this practice and I'm going to be talking you through the practice. But the one that you do, you can always just sort of decide to make it anytime you want, but we'll do about a, a three minute one together. So let's get started together and try this out. So just finding a comfortable posture with both your feet, maybe touching the floor or on the bed and allowing the eyes to gently close if it feels right for you or just a slight downward gaze is okay. And we're going to start with taking a few deep breaths in and out, just bringing in peace and calm and exhaling any thoughts troubles or worries on your mind and just arriving right here and now with each breath. And what we're doing now is just letting our breath become natural. And with each inhalation, just becoming more aware of your breath where you notice it coming in, whether it's the nostrils, whether you notice the rise and fall of your chest, and with each exhale, just letting go of everything else. And now maybe we're noticing our feet connected to the floor or foot rests, grounding our bodies, holding us in this space. Much like a tree that can be rooted into the ground, maybe we're just imagining now that our feet are growing roots into the floor, holding you, keeping you stable and rooted to this earth. Maybe moving up through your legs, through your knees, into your thighs, visualizing up into your hips. And just sense the connection to whatever you may be sitting on or lying on and feeling into that space for a moment and bringing just a gentle curiosity to how that contact feels.
Moving on and maybe feeling any sensations in the hands. If the hands might be resting on your legs or if one hand is resting on the other. Feeling into that space and noticing what that contact feels like. Maybe noticing any tingling or any vibrations, any warmth or coolness. Maybe coming back down to the feet now, checking in with the feet, noticing them planted on the floor, on the chair, noticing any sensations that are alive in the feet at this moment. And if you're not noticing anything, that's okay too. Jumping back into the hands, bringing your attention and focus here. What's alive? And then calling attention to anything else that you might be feeling or noticing in the body. If anything is calling out to you, noticing any aliveness right now. And then using that place of noticing the breath, whether it's the nose, the chest, or the belly. Bringing your attention right back to here. This is the place that becomes the anchor. So this is where you're going to come back to over and over when you notice that your mind might become distracted. Gently bring it back to the breath. The anchor is the resting place of the breath. Just letting the breath just breathe itself without trying to control it. And each time you come back to that breath, you are strengthening the mind and concentration. Sensing each breath from moment to moment. Now taking a big inhale and an exhale. And when you are ready, begin to just gently open your eyes and look around the room. Now you can just notice any sounds that are around you, the lighting, maybe some shapes in your experience. How is that for you, Caitlin? Awesome. Thank you for letting me have that opportunity to share an experience with your listeners. Absolutely. Hopefully they find it as beneficial as I do. Even just a few short moments, you know, can make a difference. And you don't have to have a perfectly controlled environment. So if you're just sitting at your desk and you close your eyes for a minute and you hear a school bell or you hear kids in another room or announcements come over the loudspeaker, welcome all of that because that's the real experience. That's the moment that you're in. That's what's alive and happening. And we don't need to judge it or push it away. We need to just learn to be with it. So to tie this back to my story now in this scenario, this IEP meeting, I could have left this meeting. I could have come back to my office. I could have checked in with myself. I could have done some informal or formal grounding practices to, in essence, work through my emotions before I acted on them. So I could have created, I could have created that space, right? And then the next step would be to look more closely at my emotions. And we're not trying to push our emotions away and we don't want to judge ourselves for having them. 
We don't even need to change them. We just need to let them move through us maybe before we are engaging with others so we can show up in a way that's wise and we can show up in a way that's compassionate as we're getting into a dialogue. Are you taking advantage of the certificate tracker? Not only does it store your certificates from all of your evidence-based and practical courses from SpeechTherapyPD.com, but you can also upload certificates earned from other CE providers. It's the easiest way to store and keep track of your CEUs. Just another perk of membership. So this would bring up my second need-to-know item. So the next step would be, okay, we've done the grounding. Now these emotions are here for me. You know, I I need to do a self-check-in. What's going on with me? Can I connect to the experience that I'm having right now? So immediately after the IEP meeting, I was feeling embarrassed for the team. I was feeling angry with the psych. I was feeling upset. I, I had this mix. And I notice and I become aware of these intense feelings, right? Can I stop? Can I name them? Can I accept them that this is what's happening right now? Okay, this is Stephanie, this is what you're feeling. What do I notice is happening in my body as I'm sensing these emotions? And can I let it be there? Can I give myself the permission for that just to be alive, you know, for me in the moment? And then can I nurture myself and give myself that self-compassion and that grace to say, this is part of humanity. Feelings are universal. It's part of humanity. This is part of being human. But is this the best time to engage? (laughs) I can ask myself. Or is this the best time to show up? Or do I need to let these emotions soften and let these emotions pass for a little bit so that I'm less reactive when I show up? So a mindful strategy is one that comes to us from Tara Brock, I like her adaptation of it, and it's called RAIN. Tara Brock is a psychologist and she's also a meditator. And she tells us that the acronym RAIN recognize, allow, investigate, nurture, guides us into bringing mindfulness and compassion to difficult emotions. And she says, with practice, we can find our way home to open hearted presence in the midst of whatever arises. And that's so important, in the midst of whatever arises, whatever is happening for us. And there's a a lot of challenges and difficulties and demands that we face in our field, right? There's a, a lot of things happening. And so in the case of my IEP meeting, if I was going to practice RAIN in my pause time, I would sit with it and say, okay, I'm gonna recognize, I'm gonna see what, feelings are coming up for me and become aware of them. What's going on inside of me? Am I feeling angry? Yeah, yeah, this is anger. All right, Steph, this is anger. I'm feeling I'm feeling angry, right? A, I'm going to allow. I'm not trying to fix it. I'm not trying to change it. I'm just going to observe, observe this and I'm going to allow this emotion to be with me. I'm going to hold space for it. I'm going to welcome it. Okay. Hi, anger. I see that you're here. I see that you're visiting me or high frustration or high embarrassment. This this is embarrassment here. I am going to investigate it. So now I'm going to check into my body and I'm a lot of people aren't in tuned with what's happening with the body when we're sensing emotions or even vice versa. What's going on in the body that's causing emotions. So let me take a minute to investigate, right? So let me sense what do I feel that I know this is anger. All right, my heart's racing a little bit. 
I've got some tightness. Maybe my hands are tight or clenching or my jaw's clenching or maybe I feel a little clammy, right? So just kind of connect with what that feels like for you. And it might feel different for everybody and from emotion to emotion. But what I'm doing is I'm connecting to the present moment experience, that mindfulness, that present moment experience of the body and what's alive for me right now while I'm having this emotion, not judging it, just noticing it. And then N is I'm nurturing. So I'm giving myself that compassion. and That's the part where I'm saying, all right, this is part of being human, right? I might say, Stephanie, anger is a normal emotion. This is something that I can allow myself to feel. It's okay. This too will pass. Maybe I give myself a squeeze or I just kind of put my hand on my cheek like, okay, this is going to be okay. And I just nurture myself, right? This feeling will pass. And when it does, when the feeling does pass, this is when I can address the situation. Maybe go ahead and give yourself a hug, right? So those are the four steps of RAIN, right? Recognizing difficult emotions happen, maybe name them, let them be as they are without expressing it. So we're letting it move through our body. Doesn't mean we need to like it or like the circumstances that are causing it. That's important to state. We're just allowing the emotion for some time saying, okay, yes, this is what's happening right now. I'm connecting to it in my body, which helps to disconnect from any stories around the emotion because it's important to not get stuck in that story, trying to figure out, okay, what caused this? What steps led to this? And then lastly, giving yourself that moment or that compassion. I can take a moment of gratitude to focus on my accomplishments. I I like how Marie spent some time on gratitude on one of your podcasts. And she said she has a gratitude journal with prompts and she likes to sit and do the prompts. So all those informal exercises I talked about, all of these different examples are ways that we can just take that pause to get out of our ruminating thoughts and to work ourselves through the process of emotions are like weather. They come, they go. Emotional tolls can be real. They can be overwhelming when these difficult challenges are coming your way, but you can learn to work through them with more grace and ease so that you're no longer letting your emotions dictate the way that you show up right? They're not taking charge now. So, and these strategies may work for some, they may not work for all, but what we can do is we can tackle overwhelming emotions or feelings and situations before they lead us to burnout. And Tarbrock also has really amazing guided meditations that you can Google. You can look up Tarbrock RAIN. That's the acronym R-A-I-N, guided meditations. She has a website. She has a lot of guided meditations that you can listen to and you can sit with. I would not recommend trying this when you're in a very intense emotion if it's your first time. So start small. I think that's a reoccurring theme with any new practice that we're trying is just start small and work your way through and see how the RAIN exercise works for you. And these are all science-backed techniques. So where we are in this process then is stimulus happens, which is the IEP meeting. We adjourn, we practice grounding exercises. We might get in touch with our emotions in a RAIN exercise and we give the space and the time for the emotions to be there. And as I mentioned, emotions are like weather and you are like the sky that can hold and be with and weather these emotions until they pass. And they're always changing, right? And we can work with them until the next emotion comes along. So that 
we can allow ourselves to come to a place where we're no longer living in this habitual state of reactivity, following every urge or emotion, which can lead us to destructive or unhealthy places. But we're looking at things more carefully with wise eyes as a clinician, with more attention as a clinician, and allowing us in this team collaboration to bring more sensitivity to those who are around us. And this will assist us with not becoming completely overwhelmed and lost by what so many of us can take on and feel in our career, which can be demanding at times, wouldn't you say? (laughs) So maybe a bit as time has passed and now we're ready to respond, which brings me to my third need to know. We want to respond in a way that's wise and compassionate. We want to respond in a way that's curious and empathetic. And we want to get rid of blaming and, and criticism. But how do we do this? How do I approach the school psychologist and let her know what I think in a way that she's actually going to be open to hearing and receiving the information that I share? How do I share it in a way that doesn't seem like I'm attacking her or that I'm better than her or pushing her out? But the important part is how do I do it in a way that I'm also not ignoring or suppressing what's important to me? A topic that I feel is, you know, one of my needs that I feel is important to discuss. I want to honor myself too in issues that I feel need to be addressed. So that brings me to my third need to know item. I'm sharing especially as it relates to team collaboration. And it's a little tidbit known as NVC, which is nonviolent communication. This is from Dr. Marshall Rosenberg. So I was first exposed to this and began working with these principles around maybe 2011. Dr. Marshall Rosenberg developed this four-step path that can be utilized to basically communicate and speak with one another in a compassionate way. Again, even if you're angry, there's a way that we can show up so that we can be heard. Marshall's best known for his communication techniques because he basically says, let's change all these potential would-be awful conflicts and conversations into more peaceful styles of conversation. So he shares a tool that can be used to cut out the arguments and assist with developing these compassionate exchanges with a communication partner. So your family, your friends, your coworkers, your clients you're working with. He feels that we are so disconnected from one another in our conditioned ways that we communicate with each other. He actually goes on to say, and this might sound a little harsh, but he feels we behave violently and exploitatively under trying circumstances. So when things get tough, things get hard, this is when, you know, maybe we're not communicating in the most healthiest way. And he's saying there's a better way. There's a way to connect to others that leads us to give from the heart. So that's what I want to share today. The number one resource that I wanted to share with you for the 321. This is a book, Marshall Rosenberg's book. He's the author of Nonviolent Communication, A Language of Life. And this is such a great resource. This was introduced to me from an OT, Aubrey Hathaway. What it does is it teaches us that by developing a vocabulary of feelings that allows us to clearly and specifically name and identify our emotions, this is what it says, we connect more easily with one another. I also feel like we start to understand and connect with ourselves more easily too, because feelings are universal and it's something we all have. It's a unique trait that we all share and we should be able to relate to one another on that level, on the level of feelings. 
The more we can tune into what we feel, the more we start to learn what it is that we need. Okay, what am I needing that I'm not getting? What's causing me to feel this way? Maybe you're a clinician that just had a complete shift in your job assignment and you weren't even asked if you wanted to move and you're having a lot of emotions right now and you're told you got this new assignment and you're feeling mad and you're frustrated. You're, you might be steaming. You might be really upset. And these feelings stem from needs that you have. Maybe you have a need to be heard. You have a need to be communicated with in decisions that involve you. You have a need for others to understand your skill sets and your desires when making decisions. You have a need for more communication and collaboration. So when those needs are not met, when we have unmet needs, they can cause some of these feelings that are coming up. And once we can connect to what it is that we're needing, we can then learn how to ask for what we need. Doesn't mean we're always going to get what we ask for, but it just, it creates this pathway. So the four pieces that you could write down from today, from this step, the first one's observation. The second one is feelings. The third is needs, and the fourth is request. So by observation, we're all familiar with observations. We're, we go in and we observe our clients all the time, and we, we don't interfere. We're looking from afar, and that's what observation is. What do I notice without judgment? Just state the facts without my evaluation, just what I see that's happening. What are my neutral observations, right? So we write those down. Then we go to number two, our feelings. So we want to distinguish our feelings from our thoughts. So we're not saying, I feel like you should know better, but saying things like, I feel upset. I feel angry. I feel mad. This is where we plug a universal feeling. And in this book, there's a great chart in the back where Marshall lists universal feelings, a chart. So you can, if maybe you don't have the word for your feeling and you can go check out the chart and see which one that most aligns with what you're feeling in the moment. And then we connect to need. So we connect our feeling with our need. I feel angry because I need blank. And here's where we insert what we are needing. So whether it's a need for consideration, a need for emotional safety, a need for respect on the team, or a need for support from our administration, and so on. And again, in the back of the book, he's got a nice chart on universal needs. So you can go to that chart. You can kind of start to get a feel for this vocabulary as you're starting to use it in your expression if it doesn't already come to you. And what I love about these charts is I keep going back to this word universal. It's important to say universal feelings and needs because what happens is when it's universal, something that others can connect to as well because maybe they've had that feeling before. They've had that experience in some form or fashion. I mean, Caitlin, you've felt angry before. You've had a need for respect before, I'm sure at some point in time, or had a need for support. The situation might look different, but when we break it down to feelings and needs, we can probably connect with one another to say, oh, I've felt that way before. I know what that feels like. That's not fun. So this creates more room for empathy and connection when collaborating with others in our roles. And four is request. So this is what would we like to request from others in order to enrich our life for us? Doesn't mean they're going to say yes. They might say no. So we're now using positive language to make the request. So we're asking for what we do want. We're not asking for what we don't want. 
So to full circle this, back to my story, my email now to the school psychologist, <laughs> I, I don't remember exactly what the one, I don't, I don't still have it either years later, and I probably would be too embarrassed to read it anyways. But my email now, after looking at the one I sent while I was in the heat of the moment, we might say, right? And then looking at an email that I might send now that I've practiced some mindfulness and I'm practicing this NVC might have this framework. When I notice or hear blank, I feel blank because I have a need for blank. Would you be willing to blank? And if I fill that in for you, my email to the school psych would say, when I see that parents are being informed about their child having characteristics of autism in an IEP meeting for the first time, I feel worried and concerned for the well-being of the family. I have a need to support families, and I would really love to gain their trust so we can build a solid connection. Giving them information ahead of time may help me meet my needs as well as theirs. Would you be willing to have a discussion with the families about the findings prior to the meeting? How would you receive that email, Caitlin? Would you feel like you're on the defense? No, not at all. Because it's a nice conversation that I get to be a part of instead of I did things wrong. Yes. Instead of I did things wrong, right, you're feeling criticized or you're feeling blamed and that might put you on the defense. So this is what we're doing with this four-step process is we're using non-judgmental, non-blaming language that's keeping it all about me, right, as the sender of the email. It's my feelings. It's my needs. It's my request. I'm using I language. There's no blame or criticism. And this is the four steps. This is Marshall Rosenberg's nonviolent communication. And I feel like this type of email versus the one I sent out of reactivity, this is going to help us maintain our relationships among our teams. It's going to keep us together as a team rather than looking at it as you versus me. And people are going to be more open to hearing what you have to say when they don't feel like they're being attacked. We all want to be heard. We all want to be received. And I feel like this is one strategy that can help us achieve that. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You've given us so many little nuggets of wisdom. And I know that we're coming close on time. You've shared your resources already, but we'll just make sure that we hit the two resources and then our one grounding strategy for tomorrow. The two resources, again, would be Nonviolent Communication, A Language of Life, and this is by Marshall B. Rosenberg. And the second would be to check out Insight Timer, and this is the free app that you can download where you can access guided meditations. And then one activity to start tomorrow, I would say start with any of the informal grounding practices. Start small. Just pick one. Pick up your drink in the morning and just feel the temperature in your mouth. If you're getting ready for work and you're washing your hands, just feel the temperature of the water on your hands. That's an example of a moment of mindfulness and connecting to an informal grounding practice. Stephanie, how can our listeners find you if they want more information? And I know that you do have a PD as well. So what information do you have for us? I can be found on Instagram at golden period, state, period, SLP. So that's my Instagram name. So you can find some information about me in the link tree, such as the website at goldenstateofmindpd.com, 
where I share some information there as well and some blogs, some thoughts and ideas. I also have a digital course called The Framework to Becoming a Mindful Speech Clinician, which is a six-hour self-paced digital course where speech clinicians in the state of California can get continuing education units for that. You can also find that in my link tree or you can find that on my goldenstateofmindpd.com website as well. All right. Thank you so much. I highly encourage you all to follow Stephanie and to reach out to her if you want any more information on just becoming more mindful. You know, not only will it impact your practice as a speech language pathologist, but it will greatly impact your relationships with everyone that you have. Yes. Thank you so much. If it's okay with you, Caitlin, I want to share one quote before we close out. Absolutely. I think this is so beautiful. This is from Trudy Goodman. She's a meditation teacher and a founder of Insight LA. And she shared this tidbit. She said, quote, the ancient redwood trees of Northern California, huge as they are, have very shallow root systems, yet they cannot be blown over by the strongest wind. The secret of their stability is the interweaving roots with each other. Each tree's roots are interwoven with those that stand near it. Thus, a vast network of support is formed just beneath the surface. In the wildest of storms, these trees hold each other up, end quote. And I just love that because we come to understand that these redwoods rely on each other for grounding in the wildest of storms. And their roots, although not super deep, they have their strength by coming together and intertwining with other trees. And they're holding each other up. And we, too can interweave with those around us on our teams to support one another in our stability and our strength in some of the most challenging times. And we are in those times. And now more than ever is the time for us to hold each other up. So thank you for this opportunity today. Absolutely. And thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing of yourself with us as well. So everyone, thank you for joining us today. And we hope to have you back with us next week. All right, everyone have a great week. Stephanie is graciously offering 30% off of her six-hour self-paced professional development course for our listeners. If you're interested, the course is called The Framework to Being a Mindful Speech Clinician and can be purchased at 30% off using the coupon code SPEECHTHERAPYPD2022. And that's all caps, Speech Therapy PD 2022. You can find the course under her link tree on Instagram at golden.state.slp or on her website, goldenstateofmindpd.com. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for joining us today and for sharing that goodie for our listeners. We hope to see you all back here soon. Thanks for joining us at This Speech Life. Remember to go to speechtherapypd.com to learn more about earning ASHA CEUs. We appreciate your positive reviews and support and would love for you to write a quick review and subscribe.